Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Hey, welcome back everyone to Conversations with Z and Vin. Z, we've been talking today about an ancient topic, controlling the mind. This is a topic that is you can find throughout Eastern philosophy, Eastern spirituality. In fact, it's a foundation of Buddhism that uh, the constant movement of the mind, the desires, the aggravations, that's what drives us insane. That's what takes life from something that could be simple, could be enjoyable, to something that causes endless suffering. This concept has been around for a long time, but we're seeing it more and more in play today. And in fact, we've been talking about this in the past couple of episodes that we've done. So we've talked about the threshold of humanity, how we're really under siege, and there's so much going on in terms of negativity from the media. There's uh, just worries about geopolitics. There's the behavior of other people, the general lack of concern that people have for humankind. Uh, so we see that strangers aren't stepping in to, to help people who are in need. They're turning a blind eye. In some cases, they're encouraging acts of violence against uh, helpless people. And all of this takes a toll on our humanity. And if we leave this unchecked and we let the mind pursue these desires, pursue these impulses, and there's no control, then we end up in just this feral state. We end up in a dysfunctional state. We end up at a point where we could snap. We could lose our sense for what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. That boundary between sane and insane can suddenly disappear. So controlling the mind is critical. Uh, it brings us back to a point of peace, a point of presence. As we've talked about many times, being present is being alive because life happens right now in front of us. And if our mind is somewhere else, then we can go through years, we can go through decades without really living. So we have to be able to control the mind. And part of the reason that we're continuing this topic, see, you and I were talking offline, just talking about how people go through their day. And we were observing that different people we interact with, different friends, different family members, sometimes it's like a litany of complaints. There's always something wrong, even when there's no real problem. If you think about what a real problem is, a real problem is I can't put food on the table, or I'm in physical danger, uh, or I've got some catastrophic event coming up and I have to plan to make sure that that doesn't happen. But there's really not a lot of that today, uh, at least in our society, amongst our peer group. So instead what we do is we make up these fake problems, and part of that is the nature of the mind. The mind is always looking for threats. It's always looking to see, okay, let me compare myself to other people around me. Uh, let me take stock of my environment. And I'm going to be on heightened alert. So I'm going to be looking out for problems. I'm going to be looking out for disparities because I want to make sure that I'm safe. And that's a primal instinct. But that ends up spiraling out of control. So what we see is that people get bent out of shape about things that just have no bearing on life, that just aren't important. And it's someone else in my peer group is spending a lot of money. And because they're spending a lot of money, that makes me feel bad. I don't have as much money. What's wrong with me? Or something doesn't work, some minor inconvenience. I go to a website, I try and order something, 
it doesn't work or I go to Amazon and the seller uh, sends me the wrong shipment and oh my god this is horrible how dare they do this to me and then also if you think about the nature of that mind uh, once you're in that mode you end up getting more aggravated so you're more likely to get aggravated about other petty and trivial things and you can get to a point where you're just always on edge you know there's always something that's triggering you that's robbing you of your time your presence your joy, your peace of mind, your ability to just spend time with your family, uh, the people that you care most about. So getting this under control, in my view, is critical. And how do we get back to that point where we've got control of the mind, we've got perspective, we look at things and we say, yeah, you know what, life isn't perfect, but that's the nature of life, that there are going to be aggravations, there are going to be bumps in the road. And if I'm always upset, if something is always getting under my skin, then maybe it's not life that's the problem. Maybe it's me that's the problem. You know, if it's a one-time thing, like someone does something egregious and we're upset, fine. Maybe we can put that on someone else if we go back to our normal cadence and our, our peace of mind. But if every single day we're just getting aggravated about very trivial aspects of existence, very minor problems, that's a problem that we have to solve. Because that basically means we have a problem with life. Life isn't going to change, so we have to be able to change ourselves. We have to be able to harness the mind and control those impulses, control the tendency to take things that are basically meaningless and turn them into big issues, turn them into sources of aggravation. So that's today's topic, controlling the mind, getting back to that state of calm where, yeah, things aren't perfect, but we generally feel good. We feel grateful. We're happy to be alive. Uh, we can appreciate everything that's happening. We can appreciate the ups and downs. Uh, we can foster a nice harmony with other people so we have good relationships. Uh, so, Z, that's where we're headed today. Uh, but w why don't you kick us off and maybe talk to us about what happens. I mean, what do you see when people lose control of their mind? Uh, give us some sense for how this plays out. Yeah, man, it's, um, it's real beneficial for us to understand how the mind works. I'm really big on that and you know I've been doing a lot of research lately to really help my clients um, to prevent a lot of uh, neural decline, a lot of cognitive decline and the research, the techniques of research, the data, the ways that people have improved the outcome of cognitive impairment and most of it if you were to kind of encapsulate it comes down to having a dynamic meditative practice, a contemplative practice, where people are not allowing their mind to run rampant through their head, chasing every thought that comes up that leads to another thought, that leads to another thought, that they're acting out reality based on the um, whimsical nature of thoughts just coming through your head. We find that the lack of good quality sleep that's the kind of sleep where you have episodic dreams. You're in another world. You wake up as if you had this grand adventure. That type of sleep is necessary for the brain to quiet itself and reset itself. That's when you know the brain is quiet because those lucid dreams, those episodic dreams, as if you were in a theater movie, that's because your brain produces chemicals similar to LSD to purge certain other chemicals that are neurotoxins, right? So you find that when you start doing your breath work, your circular breathing, or your box breathing, or anything like that, 
that it's hard to do it first. Your mind darts. It just darts. Your body clutches. Your mind darts. That's okay because that's the first thing you're aware of. Once you become aware of that, you know what not to do. You know what you're working towards. You're working on a certain level of consistent stillness with the mind. In the process of working on that, you start to see all the movies play out in your head. All kind of movies play out. Potential situations, uh, you're looking for past solutions to current problems, which is really crazy, right? You're going over stuff in the past and you find yourself not sleeping. The lack of sleep causes the buildup of neurotoxins, causes brain decline, and it's a vicious circle. So one of the things that, 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 that's always beneficial is being a master of your own mind. But before you can be a master, you have to be an apprentice. You have to be a novice. So you're just working on that. And what you know you're getting there when you feel yourself observing yourself in action, not as a, a complimentary observer, but as an auditor, a critical auditor of you. And then you start seeing the world for what it is. So you're talking about, we meet these people. We're working on this, um, this business project, getting Dharma Media up and running to full capacity. Yet we meet different people in, on, who, who have different resources they bring to the table. And we were talking about that, Vin, is what is the common theme that I noticed about people who were in the upper middle class or what they call the wealthy strata of society? And I say that I'm, I'm, I'm transiently wealthy, meaning I have everything I need, but I'm broke, right? So um, I have everything anybody could want. Um, so I, I'm talking about people who have financial uh, cushions, reasonable financial cushions, that let's say if they live within reasonable means, they could live for 100 years, the rest of their lives out, not really worry about a whole lot. That's what I'm talking about. So you're not dealing with income insecurity, which leads to uh, housing insecurity, uh, medical insurance insecurity, food, diet choices and insecurity, um, and, and adding extreme duress to your, your personal and, and private life. So you don't have that as an issue. But then if you think, if people don't have that issue, why wouldn't they be happy? Why wouldn't they be content? But as I was saying, very few of these people live a life which you would trade for. And none of them seem to have found the greatest type of happiness, which is contentment. And that is directly related to the not being able to control your mind. You see something, you project out. The mind has an idea, it writes a story. And you says, you know what? How come this person can go and see Britney Spears, Taylor Swift, whoever they want to go see, at $12,000 a pop. I'd like to go see her. No, you wouldn't. You'd like to just know you can spend $12,000 in a frivolous manner. That the energy of creating that income was of such an inconsequential metric of energy that you can just go throw money at a ridiculous project. Something that won't be rememberable, it won't change your life, won't make you feel better. Yet, it makes you feel bad that you can't do it. Mind you, if you did it, you wouldn't feel better. If you don't do it, you didn't miss anything. How about that? That's crazy. 
That just sounds crazy. But if you don't have control of your mind, you can't see yourself doing that. Caitlin, you were telling me about some matchmaking show where this extremely obese woman is saying that she does not find extremely obese men attractive. Find your own level, lady. You're out of your mind. That's when you know you have no longer control of your mind. You get what you are. You attract who you are to the level that you are, period. This is the way of nature. But somewhere in your mind, you've chased ideas, fantasies, that the universe would deliver upon you an Adonis, even though you're a, uh, you're, you're, you maybe should be Shrek's girlfriend. Right? The woman looks like Shrek's wife from that comic book. But she wants someone who, is, uh, who does a lot of self-care, which is fitness, is self-care, self-nurturing, self-development. Why would they want to be with you? If you value yourself, you're out of your mind. That person needs dynamic meditation. We all need and should do dynamic medication, meditation because it helps you control your mind. When you have control of your mind, you can achieve contentment. For these people who are in the financial game, is there a number that when you reach that number, you will be content? I talk about that all the time. It's always confused me when they say the Dow is up, the Dow is up, the Dow is up. Everybody's good. Everything's good. The Dow is up. The news used to start. Well, the Dow is up. And for the average person, it meant nothing. Nobody knew what that meant. People investing who have um, holdings in the stock market, they would, they would respond. They want to hear that it's up. And I always think if I was building a building, and an architect asked me, how high do you want the building? I said, I just want it high. Well, how high? I just want it high. What floor? How many floors will it have? Infinite floors. So I would be wanting a building that would never end construction and never have an up, it would never have a roof. Because I just keep adding floors, adding height. It's just up, up, up. So there would be no, there would be a never-ending project. That's the position many of these people find themselves in. They got married for what reason? God knows. Because you married somebody who was like you. Maybe they were a go-getter, a, uh, a driven person, career-minded. You see where this is going? They were in pursuit of a career and they're in a cutthroat business and they wielded the sharpest knife and you have a sharp knife and you guys are going in as partners, partners in crime to get to the top of the top. Don't you see the problems coming? There's no roof. You want to fill a cup that doesn't have a rim. Or you might as well be filling a bucket with no bottom. Because you have no control of your mind. The nature of the mind is to constantly look at something, dabble in it, sample in it, move on. Look at it, dabble in it, sample. But the, the nature of the brain is that. 
then you have to get control of it and say, when I get this much, I'll be happy. When I have this partner, this wife, this husband, I will be happy. And when I'm not happy, at least in that garden of my happiness, I can prune, weed, and rearrange things within my garden. Not out in your field. Not on the infinite farm. I just want my little plot of land, and I can manage that through the good and the bad. If you have control of your mind, that's the way you would do things. If you have no control, you would want to keep acquiring more space. And as it rots and goes bad, you now be the owner of many rotten patches of land that need a lot of work. Your work would never be done. You would never find solitude, peace, or sanctuary. Thus, no matter what you have, what you've accumulated, it'll never be enough and you'll never be happy. You'll never be content. You will not be able to sleep because you will be haunted and ruminating over things not working out. That's what I hear from all these people. Things aren't going the way I wanted them to go. And you ask them, well, what way did you want them to go? And they can't answer. How much money do you need? How much money did you make? And they can't give you the answer. How many children do you need? There are people who say, they're miserable people that want kids. And I always wonder, did they ever take a little bit of controlling the mind and say, what would a child bring to me and what could I offer that child? You know, these people never say that. The child becomes like getting the latest designer bag. Right? I want a Prada baby. Right? Got me a new Prada baby. But in order to enjoy that Prada baby, you have to compare yourselves to others. You have to play one-upsmanship with random strangers. Right? It's like going to these places where people scrutinize each other's garments and restaurants they go to. Where'd you go eat? What outfit did you wear? I've seen that when I worked in Beverly Hills. It's insane. So you have no control of your mind, so it's just, like I said, running rampant, and you're chasing thoughts and ideas and thoughts and ideas until you look up one day and your life is over, your time is up, and you're out of ideas and wants. You're out of the physical ability to even pursue anything. And this is what we've been seeing, Ben, and it's, it's a real eye-opener, and why if we take advantage of the knowledge left behind, the Buddha says, be a master of your own mind. Govern yourself. There is nothing more abundant on earth than thoughts in a mind. There is more, nothing more whimsical than those thoughts running through the mind. That's a sad, sad state if you don't have control over it, if you can't manage it. And those are some of my thoughts on it. Let's work on dynamic meditative techniques 
so that we can have a contemplative practice so we can be happy, be content. You follow me, Vin? There's so much that you've said, Z, that brings a lot of thoughts to my mind. At first is the baby that you mentioned about how babies are accessories. And it's actually not a joke. It's true in New York City. In fact, when we had our third, one of my wife's friends to her said, oh my God, you're having number three. That's the ultimate status symbol in Manhattan. (laughs) And I'm listening to this like, oh my God. And of course, it's somewhat of a joke, but it's one of those jokes that's not really a joke, or it's at least based on some truth, which is it's expensive to raise kids. It's insane to live in the city to begin with. You got to spend tons of money. Basically, the cost of sending a kid to private school is the same as paying for college. So you have three. It, It shows how much wealth you have, and it's a status symbol. And so I think about that, and that's kind of what it is. It's like all these aspects of life, we want to drape over ourselves, wear them like jewelry or garments or some freaking grill on our teeth just to show off, you know, not because it brings any particular contentment or it has any, any real function. It's just a signal. And then you ask, okay, what is it a signal of? It's a signal to other people who are also looking for a signal and it has value because everyone else agrees it has value, but there's no substance behind it. There's no foundation. It's kind of like this herd behavior that we talk about. Everyone does something because everyone else is doing it. I think about money that way, Z. Why do people chase money? And it's occurred to me that people chase money because we don't know what a meaningful life is. So if we don't have our own standards for life, and we're terrified that we're going to die, and it's not going to mean anything, and we face this eternity of emptiness, or maybe we've done bad things, and we go to hell, whatever your religious beliefs are, you really got to set yourself apart. Okay, so what is a a standard for success? Well, you want something that's universally accepted, that's very easy to measure, very easy to quantify, and so you gravitate towards money. Everyone knows what money is. Everyone talks about money. Everyone accepts that as something valuable. You can count it. You can count it down to the penny. So it's immediately quantifiable. And that's what we end up chasing. But then all the intangible stuff, which actually has more value, like quality of relationships, your general health. I mean, some of this you can observe, but a lot you can't necessarily observe, or at least you can't flaunt it like a status symbol. Uh, Peace of mind that stuff has no value because it's not something that you can display. You can't wave that around like a flag. So that to me is like a particular form of insanity. And you mentioned the chase and you mentioned, I really like that analogy you had about you building a building and you go to an architect and they say, how high do you want it? And you're like, I just want a high building. (laughs) Just keep on building. Never stop. Just keep on erecting this structure as high as possible. Because that's a perfect analogy for how people operate. And then if you think about why they operate that way, I've got a few theories around that. One is because you're terrified of stopping. You're terrified of not having something to focus on. The second that you stop that chase, even if the chase is bringing you nothing, maybe the value it's bringing you is that you don't have to sit in the quiet and you don't have to deal with stillness 
and you don't have to deal with the fear and the insecurity and whatever you haven't worked through. So we're constantly running. We're running away from ourselves. And we're doing that by chasing things that we don't need. And it just turns into absolute lunacy. I mean, you hear people who talk about this who say that, yeah, I'd rather, you know, I may not be happy, but I'm successful. I'm not happy, but I'm successful. Think about how crazy that is. What does that mean? What is the standard of success if you're not happy or you're not content? Whatever your standard is, what does it mean to be successful if you don't have just the basics of peace of mind and waking up and feeling good and feeling alive? It's like you're miserable on this journey, but you're successful. Now, I think that would make sense, Z, if there were someone else giving us these metrics of success. So, you know, if one day Moses came down with the commandments and one of the commandments was, you must make money, and if not, God is going to strike you down. And then it's kind of like, okay, fine. If I'm going to live in eternity in hell for not making money, maybe I can put up with a little bit of misery in this life so that I can enjoy heaven. Uh, Or you think about the suicide bombers who are like, yeah, maybe I'm going to kill myself and blow myself up, but I believe that I'm going to go to some afterlife with 70 virgins. And so I'm going to, I'm willing to go through some pain. So if that were the case, I would get it. You know, then you could say, yeah, maybe I'm not happy, but I'm doing this because there's a reason that I want success and it, there's a clear definition of success. But that's not even the case. I mean, what the reality is, no one defines success for us except for us. We create these own standards. And that to me, Z, is the weirdest thing. And maybe you've got some ideas about this. Because I used to operate this way until I hit a point 10 years ago, as I've talked about, where I just felt like my life wasn't working. And I started down this this path of really reflecting and testing some of my assumptions. But I used to operate this way, where I would chase things and certain measures of success because I wanted them, not because they necessarily brought me anything. At some point, it hit me that, who is telling me what success is? And if they are telling me what it is, why should I believe them? I mean, ultimately, we're in charge of our own lives. We're the ones who are deciding what has meaning. I mean, this is another concept in Buddhism, that there's no inherent meaning in anything. I mean, we're the ones who ascribe meaning, and that's almost the purpose of life. Like, we have to find something that means something to us and then pursue that. We have to create our own dharma, our own sense of duty, our own worth in this existence. So we're ultimately the ones who are setting the standards. So why would we set a standard that makes us unhappy? You know, why would our standard of success be something that is the opposite of success? It's just crazy. It's like, it doesn't even make logical sense. But that's how people roll. So these are just some things that are going through my mind. I mean, maybe you can shed some light on this. I'm curious to hear your perspective, Z. As you know, Vin, my mentors always would encourage us to understand the words we were saying, the etymological roots of the word. So success doesn't mean excess. If you were to just look up the meaning of success from one particular um, dictionary, it says the favorable, prosperous termination of attempts or endeavors the accomplishment of one's goals, the attainment of wealth, position, honors, or the like, a performance or achievement that is marked by success, 
as by the attainment of honors. You understand? So there, it, it means that you know what it is. When you get there, I've done that. If you get there and you're not happy, you're not content, you are never successful. Do we understand the, 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 the concept? Each person, if you know what it is, I Caitlin say, hey, she got a nice boyfriend. I'm a success. She's got uh, good friends in her life. I'm a success. Z didn't kill my cat. I kept it. It's a success. Now I can rest. I'm clear. Everything's good. I got a smile on my face. Right, Caitlin? Right? It's, that's, that's success. What I'm finding is these people have nothing. They have everything and nothing. The family is in despair. Their personal life is in despair. They have no vision, no dream. They're on the rat wheel to, to hell, and they're just running faster and harder. And whenever they take a breath or a pause, they feel like they fell behind. So they push harder, they push more, and they look left and look right and look up and look down and say, look for someone to say, you're doing good. You are almost successful. Get this other thing. Get your Taylor Swift tickets and you will be successful. Match your neighbors and you will be successful. Oh, sorry, those neighbors moved out and new neighbors moved in. Now match them. Get another baby. You will then almost be happy. But something will come up and you will be upset. So let's keep going, right? It's this kind of bullhorn from the, from the heavens. It's just more stuff. So you ne you're not even on a path of success because there's no end. And it's and, and, and very important that you, you understand how when you externalize your success, it is the opposite of success. It's simply excess. And so you'll find on the path to that is a path of decline. You're going to lose your health. Your mental health is already gone because you're, you're now just on the brink of insanity. So now you got to drink it away, pill it away, right? Drug it away. So none of this works. So until you get control of your mind, you cannot have success. Other words that are synonymous with success are luck, fame, fortune, happiness, prosperity, and triumph. So maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe you'll become famous. That works for some people. I don't know many famous people that are happy or content. This is a scary thing. Maybe you will have great fortune. Hmm, still not happy. Look at uh, these royals. Uh, what is it, Harry and Meghan? These, you hear the news, these people running around. Don't you have enough money? And then you get married and have two kids. Shouldn't you just go hide somewhere and like each other and not wait for people to tear you to pieces? 
And you expect that's just crazy. They're just finding ways to try and stay relevant, you know. Yeah. This is so you're not relevant because you're looking for relevance. The very fact you're looking for it means you don't have it. It's like people say that someone gave or took their self-esteem. Oh, you took all my self-esteem. No, it's called self-esteem. I can't give it or take it from you. It's not called other esteem or stranger esteem or z-esteem because I'll never approve of it. <laughs> right? So, so you <laughs> look to me, I'm not yourself. So these are all the ways the mind goes mad. It runs amok. Okay? It's the way it runs amok. Take a second. Caitlin has to take a break. But you can keep, we can keep going? You can edit that out, right? Okay. Oh, yeah. and so then, when people are misguided in that way, the only way to get yourself back is to take control of your mind. To take control of your mind. By doing dynamic meditation, having a contemplative practice that requires constant mantra and japa, meaning a limited range of thoughts, ideas, words that you're saying, either counting or whatever, and you do it as a drill for a set cycle. That's a way to begin to reset your brain and take ownership of your mind, to be a master of your own mind. Remember what the Buddha said, a man's mind can make him a beast or it can make him a Buddha. Guided by the Dharma, you, be you become a Buddha chasing this madness of this world, you become a beast. It's really, really simple. So those are my thoughts. you have anything else, Vin? Yeah, I'm going to add on to what you said, Z, because there was one point we brought up. I don't think we got into it as much, or I think it's such an important point that I want to spend a little more time on it. This idea that if you had everything you wanted, so everything you think you lack, you look around, you don't have the right job, you're not making enough money, you're not in the right relationship, you're not getting respect from the people around you. If you sit back and just reflect and say, okay, let me visualize a state where everything that I want, all of these inadequacies disappear and suddenly the universe gifts me with everything that I desire at that point, are you content? And that's an excellent test. That gets back to what I was talking about a little bit earlier, uh, which is, is it really enough? I mean, if you can take away all of the, the wants, the lacks, the unfairness of life, and you can't be content even in that scenario, then that's a problem with you. It's obviously not a problem with external conditions. It's a problem with our approach to life. It's a problem with our inability to be grateful, our inability to ride the ups and downs, uh, our inability to have that stillness and that peace of mind, which in my view is really the, the foundation, not just of contentment, but of joy. You know, just this feeling of, of effervescence, of lightness, of being, uh, of rolling in this crazy world, this crazy existence that we're a part of. 
there's a certain beauty in that. But to experience that, we need to get the mind under control. So maybe that's the right starting point. And I really liked your idea of meditating on that. You know, the next time that we feel like life is just spiraling out of control, we've gotten the short end of the stick, things aren't working out in our favor, or we look at someone and we feel that that pang of jealousy or that pang of regret, just do a simple exercise and step back, step out of yourself and say, okay, if this were solved, would I be okay? And if the answer is no, then that points us in the right direction. That says, let's get back to the mind. Let's get back to these practices that we know are going to discipline the mind and regulate the mind. Uh, the, the meditation, the practice of gratitude, the ability to, to just sit still and, and be with yourself, allow whatever comes up to come up and not overrun us. And so we're more of that observer than that pinball that is just reacting, reacting, reacting and, and careening uh, from one problem to the next to the next. And I think of this sometimes more generally, Z, uh, when I have conversations with people and they talk about, oh, I really want to make a lot of money and, or I, I want certain standards of success. So like you talked about, I, I guess the good thing is that there are actually standards. I've got a few friends in real estate and coincidentally, they both made the same comment to me within a couple of weeks of each other. And the comment was basically, I need to own a building. So I need to own a building with 100 units or so so that I can just sit on that and collect my income. And then I'll be good. Then I'll be happy. And in fact, I was having one of these conversations happen this morning with a friend of mine. And we were saying, you know what, Vin, if I had that, then we could just hang out. Then we could roll around. We could get a low rider, go around New York. We could do the line with a mic. We could start bumping some music. You could start rapping. We'd go to all the cool places. We'd have a great time. And I said, yeah, that sounds great, but what's stopping you from doing that now? We could do that today, like this Friday. We could jump in the car. We could go and do that. You're not going to die because you don't have income coming in on Friday. You've already got enough to satisfy whatever your requirements are for existence, for your expenditures. So it's not just that, you know, and it's interesting because I think that maybe people are self-aware enough at times to know that there is a limit or to sense there's a limit, but, but then it becomes a false limit, Z. So part of it is knowing what the limit is, but two, asking, is that really the limit? I mean, is that really going to change anything or is that just another game that we're playing? Is that another mental trick that's going on in the back of our head to keep us in this endless pursuit, to keep us going? It's almost like the nature of the mind is that we constantly have to be chasing something. And again, there's certain value to that. Uh, we need to be aware of what's going on in the world. We need to seek out information. We need to make sure we're striving to secure enough resources so that we can survive. But we've also got that higher intelligence. And uh, we need to stop fooling ourselves and be able to exercise that intelligence, step back and look at the situation objectively. And so that's all I'll add to you. I mean, I think that that awareness uh, related to the exercise you mentioned, it's a very interesting thought experiment to me. And it really clarifies a lot of things. I mean, it can cut through the confusion that we feel. It can cut through all the emotions. It's a simple test. Would I be okay or not? And if not, maybe I can use that answer to create enough impetus and enough force to take me out of whatever I'm feeling, step back, and start moving on a different path. Yeah, Vin, I would say, too, that there are real practical ways 
to um, control your mind and deal with this concept of success. As we do our basic breath work, observing and counting your breaths, as you lie down at the end of the day, hopefully you finish the day at a reasonable hour. When I say finish the day, you're not bringing work issues into the day. You're not looking to manage past issues. You're not trying to find present solutions to past issues. And you're not planning tomorrow's problems today. You're done. You acknowledge the day, you're done. And you're lying there, everything's okay. And I want you to just do your breathing. And then when that breathing breaks and you lose control and you chase a thought, restrain that thought like you would a wild dog in a fenced-in corral or whatever, have a leash on it. And ask yourself, <clears throat> first, quietly, <clears throat> what would bring you contentment right now? Knowing what, seeing that what, experiencing what, and having what would cause you to be still. Would you want your partner to lose weight, to get plastic surgery, to do whatever? Would that make you more content with that person? Would you want them to be gone or be with you? Then begin your breathing again. What about your material state? How much money would give you enough and not excess, but what would you get to the point of success where you achieved a level of grace, peace, and contentment in your life? Would it be that house in that place? And then you can plot a plan on how to work towards that or adjust your metric of success. What about social success? What would you want to be your role in friendships? What status would you like to have? Would you like to be the trendsetter? Would you like to be part of a team? Or are you at peace in solitude? Answer these questions, go back to your breathing drills you will find that you can lull yourself into such a deep state of contentment, a wonderful sleep, an undisturbed sleep, because you can then see what your yantra is. You can see your dream board. And then you can practically plot out a course to fulfill that dream board. But if you can't do that, then again, it's the building with no roof, the building of endless floors, the endless project that you will never see the end of it. You'll never enjoy it, but you'll always be working towards it. Meditate on comparing yourselves to others and realize how without excuse, without prejudice, it is an idiotic thing to do to compare yourselves to others. It is insane. It is the bridge 
to madness, don't cross that bridge. People, other people's lives, they have their lives. You have yours. Imagine the most glamorous couple you see in the contemporary media. It's all fake. It's all fake. It's not real. It is a show, a shameful, bizarre show, simply there for purian interest to watch it, to watch the sickness. They jump from partner to partner. I mean, their ass never gets to cool off. They're, they're, they're bouncing around with so many different people. How do you fall in and out of love at that rate? Let us be very careful about the, the icons and archetypes of success that we attach ourselves to. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever really deeply loved somebody and then the relationship breaks up and that longing and the wondering of that just really bothers you? And it takes a while for you to, as they say, get back on the horse. These celebrities that you're looking at and watching, my God, the, the, the bed sheets are still wet by the time they bring somebody else over the house. Good God, right? They get break up with somebody. Oh, we just saw them at the, at the whatever awards banquet with their new girlfriend or new boyfriend. Is that even hygienic? How do you, don't you need a break between people? Energetically, don't you need a break to deal with the issues of, if you, if you're human, if you had a heart, if you had love in your soul? Luckily, they bounce back from that and they've been seen with their new fiance. That's not the life you want. This is sick. They're not happy. Oh, poor artist killed themselves, took some fentanyl, did this or that. We've been through that ourselves with artists we knew. You got 200 million in the bank and we're burying you before your 50th birthday. What, what, what the hell? I don't want to be like that. Oh, they, they did a great uh, plastic surgery, but now they look like a, a gerbil or something, a weasel. The sex symbol, real sex symbol. No, you look like a weasel. And then they don't want you to look at, to pay too much attention to it. I just spent a, a million dollars on looking like a weasel, and now I'm mad that I look like, that you're looking, I'm going to hide my face. Yeah, please hide. All the money in the world. I saw one, some celebrity, some 80-year-old woman dating a 30-year-old guy and wondering, how long is that going to last? Oh, age is not a number. Yeah, it's, it's a number. Okay, uh, look, I work on aging. I'm all for it. But at some time, you got you to gotta get off stage. Sometime the show got to close. Okay? Just be okay. Just be okay with yourself. That's real success. These people are wealthy and well-known, but they are not successful. They lack success. What does it say of success? The achievement of your goal and finding happiness. How do you find having all this running around? Just disastrous. So avoid these types of symbols. If you want to have something on your altar, get rid of celebrity types. Put a Buddha up there or something like that. Real simple. Get a weeping Buddha. That's, that's my idol. Right? Get a Buddha. That, that's, that's a great. Put pictures of your friends and families or people you want to be like. Right? 
you got some athletes you admire, read their backstory and how they achieved great success and then hid somewhere in the woods. You always hear that story. They, they did something great, they were happy, and they just go and disappear. Whatever happened to so-and-so, you want to do a comeback? No, I'm 80 years old, I don't want to do a comeback. I'm good. I'm good. That's successful. Some guy that was the Wizard of Wall Street disappears. He's got a cabin in Montana. Everybody's happy. You want to ever, you ever want to come back to Wall Street? No, never. Never. I never want to go there again. Why would I leave paradise and go to the cesspool? When you have control of your mind, success is readily available to you. It might be right near you. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, it reminds me of a story I read about a baseball player. And this guy was pretty successful, had a good career, and left at the peak of his career. And he bought a boat and just decided to retire and spent time sailing around with his girlfriend. And because it was so unusual, he left. He left this big contract on the table. There was this write-up about him. And so the interviewer asked him, what he was thinking and how he was comfortable leaving all this money behind. And they basically said, look, you're giving up tens of millions of dollars. Why would you do this? And you know what he said, Z? He said, yeah, but I've already made tens of millions. Why do I need more? How much is enough? And to me, that perfectly encapsulates what we're talking about. You know, this guy, I'm not going to say that it works for everyone. I, I, I don't think I'd want to spend the rest of my life on a boat, but he seems to love it. Uh, he was enjoying himself. Uh, he left the stress behind. He said that when he put on the spring training, he flipped on the TV and saw teams going back for spring training. And he just started laughing because he didn't miss it at all. Like he had no regrets whatsoever. He stepped out at the right time. But it's just such a rare perspective to ask what that limit is. And maybe it's a rare perspective because it requires going against the herd, going against convention. So much of our society, our economy, it's around this pursuit of more, more for no reason. You know, for what, when do we get to a point where, where a company is making enough money? You never get there. Every single quarter, Wall Street expects higher numbers, regardless of what they were in the past. That's the nature of the economy. That's the nature of our country. Uh, that's the American dream. Just go and get more and more and bigger cars regardless of whether it's sustainable, regardless of whether the shit is weighing you down. You know, you get enough of this stuff, and physically and emotionally, you become chained to a lifestyle. But we don't think about that, and so much of it is just ingrained in our culture and the way that we operate. And maybe that's why it's so hard to move in a different direction. But having some of these practices, being able to discipline the mind, being able to really have that clarity, I need contentment, how do I get there? And asking some basic questions like, is this enough? Or if this is not enough, what is enough? What's going to get me to a point where I am successful? It, to me, that's really the start of something that that becomes beautiful. I mean, that's when you really are taking charge of your life. And you can live in a way that's that's got meaning. It doesn't have to have meaning to anyone else, but it's got meaning to you. And that's, that's all that counts. You know, Vin, I like what you're saying, but I would challenge you when you said, I don't know if I would get a boat. Let's let go of that. What would you get? What would you do? What would be your boat? Yeah, I'd do more of what I'm doing. I like what I'm doing. That's right. You see what I mean? And you'd be freed up 
from the excesses, from the burden. I believe the boat is a metaphor for that, for success. We all have our boat. For some people, maybe it's a cat. What, what's your boat, Caitlin? living it like I'm living on my own that's nice Caitlin just needs one more cat then she'll be good I want more I just want land and I want to have more how much land and where um I you're kind of open to where just some land you know I just need like 10 acres yeah preferably somewhere temperate and this is an exercise. I'm just doing this just because, Vin, you inspired me when you said the boat and that you didn't get it. That wouldn't be something you would do. Let's talk about what we would do. So I do what I love. I think one of the challenges I have, of course, is my temperament and my style. And different choices I made in my life have left me um, in a financial way where I have to work, right? I don't want to have to work, but I want to keep working if you know what I mean. I want to do things that I believe will mitigate human suffering. I would like to write books and do more study and training. And what a certain amount of income would do for me, or financial stability would do for me, would allow me to create and make and learn more. And it's not a lot that I can then provide for my little ones. My big ones don't need me. And until they are adults, and until the day that, that, that I am no more. And I would focus on higher levels of the human experience as opposed to uh, the survival model. So I could see it. That would be my boat. That would be my boat. It is not fame or notoriety. I love that I have participated, like I'm excited about the work I do now, I mean, very excited, and it brings me a lot of um, peace. I think about then you're going to do a big production on stage. I always knew that was coming. I just really feel a part of that. Um, we have we're meeting really wonderful people that are are supportive of others. I would do the same. Okay, same thing. Okay, then I'd get I'd get a plot of land. Or, Maybe three or four miles from you, but maybe 20 miles from you, but maybe 30 miles from you because the damn cats. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, life is life. It can be good when we're away from the congestion and we're out of that that nonsense, where we can, can take control of our mind, clear our head, and say, I don't want to be these people. And I would tell you, folks, I work with a lot of celebrities. Over, over my years, as some of you who know me well know, I, I did that as a venture in my life. And there was nobody I met that said, hey, I want to be like you. I, I might want the income or some of the money they have, but I would not want to be like them. I buried a number of them, way too young. And they were not content. I've I've been the priest at many a weddings that started out really well, but being caught up in this 
idea of the un, uncontrolled mind making decisions and pursuing the whimsical thoughts destroyed their relationships. Some of them had loving relationships that were not transactional until they got in, then they got into trans. So let us be careful. Let us control our mind, be a master of our own mind. Follow the Buddha. You got it, Vin? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Find your boat. I like that too. That's another good analogy. All right, let's do it again next week. Thanks, everybody. Check out Dharma Media. Check out the Dharma Health Institute. Check out the Century, My Century Project. And let's live a good century out, well, healthy, and go out kicking and punching. All right. Talk to you soon. Peace. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.